You're listening to the Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. We know this will be an incredible resource for your life, so stay focused, listen up, and thanks for joining us. And uh, you know Ephesians 3.20, famous verse, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask, think, or imagine. I love that, according to his power. But this whole idea about imagination. And and I actually think that, that one of the things that's really important in all of our lives is this. We've got to ask the question, what captures our imagination? Because it's what captures your imagination that God says, you know what, in that, in the gap between what you feel like you can accomplish and and what you would like to see happen in your world, God says, if you engage with me in your imagination, God says, you know what, I can bring faith to work in you in such a way that you can actually begin to accomplish things that you never thought you could accomplish. And I've just found that all my life. I found that seven years ago when we launched Audacious Church, that coming to a city of 2.6 million people, where there was 1,100 churches, the average size church was 12 people. And uh, some of you have heard this story, but in, in the first minister's meeting in the city that I went to, sitting five rows back, and they said, oh, Glenn's moved to Manchester. Stand up. So I stood up and they said, oh, Glenn thinks he's going to change Manchester for Jesus. We want to say, I don't think so. And I was really shocked. I thought they would be happy that we'd come to plant a church. And then I, I remembered, actually, the church is the best at shooting its own people. Um, friendly fire. And there's something wrong with that. And, and I just realized in that moment, I've got enough baggage of my own to take his baggage as well. And just made the decision at that point, you know what, I, I, I pray for him and I bless him, but his issues will not be my issues. The woman had an issue of blood and we've all got our own issues. But the thing is in all of our lives, you know, that there is always a gap between what we feel like we can accomplish and, and what we're excited about when we think and we dream. Vision, a clear image of a preferred future. Without vision, the people perish. So my question is this, what's your vision? And, and, and my prayer is that your vision is so big, you're thinking to yourself, I actually don't know how to achieve that. And I, and I pretty much think that, that if your vision is that big, almost so big that you're too embarrassed to tell people, you pretty much know it's a God vision. The vision that says, when, when you say it to people, people say, really? You? Because actually, when you look at Scripture, that's literally what we read about in Scripture. We're going to read about Gideon right now. Gideon says this, Judges chapter 6, verse 11. One day the angel of God came and sat under the tree, under the oak tree that belonged to Joash, whose son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress out of the sight of the Midianites. The angel of God said, Judges 6, 11. The angel of God said. Now listen. When we read in the Old Testament about the angel of God saying, we're reading about no one else other than Jesus himself. You've got to understand that this was not Gabriel. This is not Michael. This is Jesus himself. Jesus didn't just appear in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. He always was. Colossians 1 says all things were created by Jesus and for Jesus. Genesis talks about the Godhead involved in the creation of the heavens and the earth. When we read the Old Testament, we have names for God. Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sidkenu. The word Jehovah is the Greek word Lord. And the only person in the Godhead with the title Lord is Jesus. The Bible never calls the Father Lord and the Bible never calls the Holy Spirit Lord. And so in Psalm 23, who was the Lord David Shepherd who was with him in the valley? It was Jesus. And who was Jehovah Jireh with Abraham who provided the ram and the thicket? Who was it? It was, it was Jesus. And who is our righteousness? Who is Jehovah Shammah, the Lord who was there? It's Jesus. Jesus in every page, every chapter, every line of the Old Testament. And in this moment, we have Gideon. Now, you know the story of Gideon. I don't need to set the background for you, but he's fearful. He's a, he, he's a warrior at heart. He's hiding. 
He's doing some rebellious act, creating uh, bread for his family so that his family could eat in a land that had been invaded. And the Bible says God came to him. God took the initiative. Now in all of our lives, our life is merely a response to what God did in the first place. In the beginning, God. And everything since has been a response. Our worship is a response. The way we live our lives, it's a response. The way we lead, the way we preach is a response. But let me tell you, one of my irritations is this, is when I go and hear people in church or I go on their websites and the websites, now this is a little thing, but it's a big thing. that They say this, you know, Sunday's talk was, or people come up to me in church and say, hey, that was a great talk today, Glenn. That really ticks me off. Because what I want you to understand is, is when we do church, we're not talking. The maths teacher, he talks. The lecturer in the university, he talks. And if you want to see life change come to your people, we've got to have a revelation that God wants to do more than talk. He wants us to preach. And when you look at the Bible, the Bible talks about preachers, talking about the outrush of the soul. E.M. Bounds says, the man is the message. Now, here's the thing is that when you preach, you're doing more than talking. You are talking, but you're preaching. It's about information, not impartation. And so when we lead, when we preach, whatever we do, it's merely a response to what God has done in the first place. Which is why number one on my irritation list is people who've got their hands in their pockets during worship. I'm like, really? Is that the best response that you can give to a Jesus who said, I love you this much? What do you mean you can't lift your feet? What do you mean you can't be quiet in times of quiet surrender? So everything is a response. And here, the angel of God, Jesus, comes to Gideon and he initiates a call. And he says, Gideon, I will use you. And of course, you know what happens next. We're gonna read on. I'm reading the message translation. God is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon said, with me, my master? If God is with us, then why has this happened to us? And many people live there. Many people live in a state of why. Many people live in a state of regret. Many people live in a state of saying, well, God, you know, England's tough. Manchester's tough. London's tough. Scotland's bleak. Wales is dark. And we can live there. And that's what Gideon was doing. He was living in a state of, well, I don't know if God's really here. And sometimes we can lead and we can preach that way. And sometimes we can pray like we're trying to twist God's arm to work on our behalf. But praying is laying hold of God's willingness, not His reluctance. That's what we're going for. Why has this happened? Where are the miracles that our parents and grandparents told us about? Where are the miracles that we've heard about in Colombia and America and Australia? And where are the miracles that we've heard about in this other church down the road, but we're not seeing here? Where are these miracles? And they said, didn't God deliver us? The fact is this, God has nothing to do with us. You know, a lot of people who live their life that way. He's turned us over, but God faced Him directly. God takes moments like this to grab our attention, to face us directly. When my son was little and he would want to talk to me, especially when we we're in church, and I'd be talking to somebody and, and he knows the rules of this, that he can't, he can't sit there and go, dad, 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 dad. Because literally what I would do is I'd clip him around the back of the head. And so he kind of go, dad. I was like, okay, buddy. And, uh, but what he would used to do is this, is if I was talking to somebody, but he really wanted my attention, he would stand on the chair grab my face and turn my face towards him mid-conversation. Because for my son, if I wasn't looking at him, I wasn't listening to him. And God takes weeks like Audacious Conference to actually turn our face, to, to, to help us to understand that He has turned His face towards us. This is our moment. This is our moment to encounter God. 
That's why I want to encourage youth pastors, bring your youth next year. We're in Salford, we're in Greater Manchester, but we're in an environment where God wants to turn His face to our young people. God wants to turn His face to people who are in our church. I'm praying and believing that marriages will be strengthened and restored as a result of people being here this week. I'm praying that churches will grow because we as pastors and leaders have had the opportunity where God turned His face to us and in the busyness of our life, we gave God a moment. He only needs half a moment. But to give him three days is a powerful thing. God turned his face to him, as the Bible says. He looked at him and he said, go in this strength that is already yours. And ladies, you've got more strength than you realise. You've got more power, you've got more ability, you've got more potency, you've got more potential than you realise. Save Israel. Haven't I just sent you, dummy? Gideon said, me? How and with what could I ever save Israel? Look at me. My clan is the weakest and I am the runt of the litter. God said to him, I'll be with you. You will defeat Midian as one man. In this moment, Gideon gets asked of God to do something that he could not do in his natural strength and ability. And when I read my Bible, I realise that happens all through the Bible. God says, Jesus says words like this, if you don't forgive those who... offended you, then your Father in heaven cannot forgive you. There's a massive gap between what I want to do and what God is requiring of me. Glenn, just forgive. I don't want to forgive. I want to kill. The Bible says, you know, uh, to walk not just one mile, but to walk a second mile. The Bible says to give your shirt and your coat to somebody. The Bible talks in Acts 28 about unusual kindness. And I find all the time, God has the ability to put things in front of me and ask me to do things that in my natural self, I don't want to do. Now, I've got to be honest. I'm here and the vision is over there. And the gap in between what I feel I can do in my natural ability and what God is asking us to do seems really difficult and really impossible. That's exactly what's happening here with Gideon. God says to Gideon, Gideon, I'm going to use you to do the impossible. I'm going to use you. And Gideon says, who am I, God, that you could use me to do this? And we've actually got to be, I believe, training and preaching and developing our people, discipling our young people and people in our church in a way where they understand that God can use them to do the impossible. Now, how many of you know there's a difference between doing the impossible and doing the stupid? The stupid is the X Factor contestants who come on saying, hey, it's my my life's dream to be, you know, a major pop star. And then they open their mouth and you think, really? Your mom should have slapped you when you first went to the audition, you know. (laughs) But you know when you've got a God dream. You can't shake it. You can't shift it. It's just there. It's, it's, it's churning away in your spirit and agitating you all the time. It's, it, good ideas fade, but God ideas stay with you forever. And it's amazing here what happens to Gideon. And I just want to break this down, a few thoughts. And the first thought is this, is God knew my limitation before I knew his expectation. God knew everything about Gideon. God knew Gideon's limitations before Gideon knew God's expectations. And so when God comes to you and God speaks to you and He inspires you as a leader, usually what we do is we revert into our limitations and find the need then to remind God of all the reasons why we don't think we can do that which He's put before us as if God didn't see our limitations before He called us. You imagine in this moment if the angel kind of stopped, the Lord stopped and He looked at His wing buddy there, Gabriel, and says, Hey Gabe, is this the right Gideon? 
And Gideon, and, and so Gabriel looks you know, through his scroll and he gets to Gideon. Yes, my Lord, Gideon from the tribe of Benjamin. And the Lord says, no, you dummy, this is Gideon from Manasseh. And the angel, Gabriel says, I'm sorry, my Lord, we should have turned left at Albuquerque. At which point Jesus takes out his sunglasses, magic pen and a laser and says, Gideon, really sorry, we should have taken a left at Albuquerque, not right. Please look into this laser. And when I push this button, everything that's transpired, you'll forget. That's not what we read. God knew all about Gideon's weaknesses, his frailties. He knew that he was in the weakest clan. He, he, was, he was the Muppet of Muppets. He was the lowest of the low. God knew all of those sorts of things. And yet all too often, we feel like what we need to do is put our weaknesses in the dock and we become the barrister, the lawyer, and we defend our weaknesses to God. And long ago, I discovered this. If you argue for your limitations, you'll keep them. And the more you talk about it, the more you focus on it, the more you prophesy over your problems, the more your problems will be there. And there has to come a time in all of our lives where we go to God and instead of taking to God the size of our problems, we go to our problems with the size of our God. And we say, you know what? There may be 2.6 million people in this city and most of them may be on a journey to hell. But God, I believe. I believe what you said. I believe what you sowed. I believe that nine years ago in that prayer meeting, when you dropped something out of heaven into my heart and the word audacious was birthed, God, I believe. I don't know how it's gonna happen yet, but God, I believe in your ability in me. It has to capture your imagination. And for Gideon, Gideon was on this process of seeing what God was calling him to, but it had not yet captured his imagination. All he saw was weakness, frailties, limitations, and impossibilities. And my encouragement to you is this, let's step out of problems. Let's step, step out of looking at the challenge, the impossibility. I know there are pastors in this place, you, you, you've, you've currently bought buildings or you're buying buildings. Others of you are renovating buildings, you're launching ministries and all around you, 360 degrees, there's problems and there's challenges. Well, my prayer is this, that just like Gehazi had his eyes opened, that you would have your eyes opened and you would see today that there is far more for you than there is against you. And so here's what happens. Uh, the first thing is God knew your limitations before you knew His expectation. The second thing is this, is God won't dumb down His expectation because of your limitation. Let me say it again. God won't dumb down what He's asking of you because of what you think are your limitations and weaknesses. He doesn't come back to Gideon here and say, Gideon, I know you're a dummy. I know you're afraid. I know you're weak. So here's what we're going to do. For the next five years, I want you to stand up to yourself, uh, for yourself against your sister who's bullying you. Don't hurt her. Don't hit her. But just stand up for yourself. Be strong. And then for the next 10 years, you're going to do karate lessons. And in 15 years, you're going to go to regionals. In 20 years, you're going to go to the nationals. In about 25, 30 years time, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to a place whereby actually you can come against the Midianites. That's not what God does. God didn't dumb down his expectation because of Gideon's limitations. And sometimes we say to God, God, start slow. Sometimes we can say, God, start small. Well, the Bible says this, don't despise the day of small beginnings. But you notice it's just a day. And, and, and my prayer, have your mind would explode to the possibilities of what God is calling you to, that your imagination would run wild, that you'd get into your quiet times with the Spirit of God and you would just sit and you would dream and you'd begin to say to God, God, show me what can happen. God, show me what you're calling me to. God, show me. I don't know how and I don't know what the steps down here are, but God, I pray your word would be a lamp unto my feet. 
Do you read your Bible? Because that's a great place to start. God, you're calling me here, and I don't know how to get there. But what I do have is I do have a book that's a lamp unto my feet. And let me just say this, podcast is great, but your Bible's better. And you can, you can listen to as, as, as many sermons by other preachers as possible. And, and that's a good thing. That'll bless your soul. And, and that's going to be amazing for you. But what I've discovered is this. is When you go to a gym, you've got to know what equipment to use. And we've got gym instructors in our church. We've got fitness experts. And, and they come into a gym with me and they can see me work out. And they'll go, what on earth are you doing? You know, Bible, Paul says to Timothy in the New Testament, he says, instruct people in a sound pattern of teaching. That's like going into the gym and knowing what equipment to use at the right time. Sometimes our access to podcasts actually distract us because actually what we can do is we can compare. We can say, man, I need to draw that truth. I need to take that truth. Actually, what we need to do is go to God. Go to the Bible, begin to cook the book, cook the book, cook the Word of God. Let it be like bread for you for eating, for your spirit. And say, okay, God, what is the plan? What is the pattern that you want me to take the people that I'm leading into? Actually know how to work out in the spiritual gym. So God won't dumb down His expectation because of your limitations. God knows all about them. God knows how much money you think you don't have. God knows how much gifting you think you don't have. God knows how, much, how many musicians you don't think you have. God knows all about that. God knew when we bought our building in the city centre a few years ago, God knew we didn't have 2.5 million. The guy who I said we'd buy it from didn't. He said, he said 5 million. I said, we haven't got 5 million, we've got 2.5. He said, deal. So we shook in the car park, 2.5. And as I walked away, I said, God, we ain't got 2.5. And we raised 400000 which was a miracle. And then the bank said, we're going to come through. We're going to give you the mortgage. And you know the story. We moved in on a six-month short-term lease. We spent £400,000 renovating the building, just the initial refurb. And, uh, and then a week before the bank was due to give us the money, they pulled out. Now, I was sitting with a pastor in my office. I won't tell you which one, but he's not sitting here. And he said to me this. He said, Glenn, well, if God doesn't want us to have the building, then we don't want to have the building, do we? Now, Maybe it's the right thing to say in theory. It was really the wrong time to say it. As he realized 10 minutes later, getting up off the floor with a broken and bloodied nose. And limitations were this. We now had six days to find 2.5 million pounds. Now, what's your theology say? My theology says, God, you knew this. Why couldn't you give it? Why can you sort this out six months ago? The Ancient of Days is so old that sometimes he's running late. <laughs> and you know the story, literally within 10 minutes of us losing the building and going into Christmas weekend, me saying to the church, church, we're really sorry, we've lost the building, we're going to have to move out. Within 10, 10 minutes to go, a guy that we didn't know, didn't live in our city, gave us two and a half million pounds to buy the building. God knew the limitation before we knew his expectation. And in that moment of limitation, you can look at the limitation or you can look at the size of your God. Say, God, I believe. God, I believe. And I've got to tell you, we fasted, we prayed that week, the, the week that we lost the building. We went to God, we got to our knees, we prayed like never before. But you know what it was more about? It wasn't actually about the money, it was about my character. It's about God saying, Glenn, I want to build something in you. And now that we bought that for two and a half million, now we're building for 35 million pounds for the next project. But I'll never forget the first project that we ever did as youth pastors cost us 60 pounds. 60 pounds. And now we're believing God for 35 million pounds. And you know what? In the same way, 
15, no, 20 years ago, in the same way I didn't have 60 pounds? 20 years later, I ain't got 35 million pounds. But the God who proved faithful with 60 pounds and proves faithful with 2.5 million pounds is exactly the same God who I know is gonna prove faithful with the 35 million. And I really wanna challenge you, back, back to the message from, from Wednesday night, don't let the devil camp and rob you of faith, rob you of courage, rob you of your praise, because praise is the precursor to your breakthrough. So number one, God knew my limitation before I knew His expectation. Number two, God won't dumb down His expectation because of my limitation. And thirdly, God's only limitation, His only limitation is my expectation. He can do anything, but He won't. Now to Him, who's able to do immeasurably more then all you can ask and think and imagine. So leaders, what are you asking? What's your prayer time look like? Are we believing God just to get through another day? Or are we saying, God, this is the journey you've got us on? I'm believing, God, that you can accelerate this. You can move things quicker. You can do things sooner rather than later because God's only limitation is my ability to actually come to Him with great expectation. And I know this in the Bible. You actually get what you expect. 10 spies, 12 spies. 10 came back and said, we can't. Two said, we can. And you know what? All 12 are right because the 10 who said they couldn't, they didn't, and they died in the wilderness. But the two who said they could, and we've got a choice. We can either be part of the 10 or part of the two. But I believe the audacious generation is part of the two. We're actually, our eyes, our eyes. You know, you know when you go to a table, a smorgasbord? Do you know what a smorgasbord is here? Okay, a buffet. Do you know what a buffet is? You heard the saying, your eyes are bigger than your belly? My prayer is this in this nation. We'll have people whose eyes are bigger than their spirit. That you're actually seeing things and you go, you know what? And I say this to Pastor Russell Evans all the time. If you can do that in a colonial country, a country full of convicts, planet shakers, what, what, what could God do in the motherland where we have a queen and she's amazing? And we don't just live in a kingdom. We live in a united kingdom. And Psalm 133 says there where brothers dwell together in, in unity, united, God will command a blessing. And wouldn't it be amazing? God, God, help our eyes to be bigger than our current spirit. So I remember going to Planet Shakers 10 years ago and standing there with 3,000 people at the time. And I'm thinking to myself, God, you can do this. I didn't have the spirit at the time maybe to do it, but my eyes were big. My eyes were opened. And my prayer is this, that God will open your eyes this week to see things. Your spirit can catch up, but you can see things. Where there's no vision, people perish. But where there's vision, life comes. And the last thing is this. God's expectation should be my inspiration. God's expectation should be my inspiration. God, may my inspiration be that which you expect of me. And I want to ask you leaders, what's God saying to you? What's he said? The sad thing seven years ago when we launched our church was that this pastor who said, listen, Glenn, we don't think you're going to change the city. His new expectation was not from God. His expectation was from his disappointment. And his expectation was, you know what? I'm going to see more of the same. This is what I've seen. Therefore, this is what I'll see. But I really believe that we should 
ensure that God's expectation is our inspiration. God, may your expectation capture my imagination in such a way that I believe it passionately. God, I'll give for it. I'll give to it. I'll go for it. I'll run with it. I'll inspire others with it. God, may the overflow of the passion of your expectation for me be such a great inspiration that God, together, we see a generation rise up and see a city and nation one. So what's God's expectation? What's he whispered to you? What did he say to you about your city, your village, your town? What did he say to you about your church? What's he said to you about your marriage, about your children? Gideon, I'm going to use you. Well, who am I? Well, you're a mighty warrior. Go in the strength that is already yours. You have more strength than you know, more power than you know. There are more people in your world than you know. And all it takes is people of passion, vision, courage, and spirit to step out. God spoke to your heart. God said, I want to use you. You're at church. You were at home. You're at a conference. You're at a camp. And you're minding your own business, just like Gideon was minding his own business. Busy. But God came and he arrested your heart. And he said, go. And you had that wrestle. Who am I? You thought to yourself, how can I do that? You made the mistake of telling somebody you shouldn't have told. And they looked at you and they said, you're never going to do that. And you began to believe. But God took you on a journey. The Spirit of God took you on a journey. And God began to develop you. And you had opportunities. You stepped into opportunities. New things happened. You, you maybe led a small group. Maybe you're a youth pastor. You've pioneered a church. And you've gone on the journey. But as you've, you've increased, as you've gone on the journey, it almost feels as you've gone along the journey that baggage has been attached to you. If ever you've moved house, you know that what you have to do when you move house is you've got to get rid of a lot of stuff. And you say to your friend, you say to your, your spouse, you say to your kids, where do we get all this stuff? And you think it's a clean slate, got to move on. So what you do is you're just binning stuff. You're just throwing stuff out. You're getting rid of the stuff. You're getting rid of the baggage because this baggage, this stuff that was important to you at one point has now become a limitation to you. I really feel the Spirit of God resting on that right now. Things that have been important to you have now become a limitation to you. Your eyes have been on the stuff instead of the God over the stuff. So Lord, I pray right now, would you open our eyes again to what you're calling us to. I just want you right now in your mind just to begin to maybe list some of the things that the Spirit of God is speaking about, some of the stuff you need to get rid of, some of that baggage. Relationships that were important to you but are now holding you back. Ways of doing things. Maybe you're caught in a rut. Your Sunday church program, your your weekly youth program, you're kind of stuck in a rut and you're kind of saying, God, it, the way we did it was important, but I need change. Spirit of God, I pray right now, would you bring change? Illuminate to leaders right now the stuff we need to leave behind. We refuse to allow our limitations to hold us back anymore. Thank you for listening to this Glenn Barrett Leadership Podcast. 
For more information, visit us online at audaciouschurch.com.